Our scripture reading for this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Today we're beginning a three-sermon series on four different responses to Jesus. This response will be offended. Sometimes when people heard Jesus preach, they were offended. So from Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who had heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their own hometown and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we want to believe, but Lord, help our unbelief. We struggle as well. Lord, sometimes our familiarity with you and with your stories blinds us to your truth. So open our eyes today to see who you are. A little more clearly. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You can't teach a know-it-all. In order to learn, we have to admit that there's something we don't already know. Know-it-alls will never admit what they don't know, and so it's very hard for us to learn. I'm afraid that I'm coming to that conclusion from experience. I know from personal experience the struggles of being a know-it-all and being resistant to new information. Uh, I have resisted learning uh, too long in my life. Even in seminary, I went into classes with the goal of proving my seminary professors wrong. Uh, These men and women had PhDs in theology and Bible, and, and yet here I was as an upstart student that thought I knew more than they did, and I challenged them, and I tried to prove them wrong day in and day out. Fortunately, they were gracious with me and and uh, taught me anyway. But ultimately, God had to change me. God had to do a work in me so that I would fall more in love with learning than with knowing. It's really a, a work of the Spirit that made me appreciate learning more than knowing. Because when we already know the truth, it's hard to learn. When we already have our minds made up, it's hard to accept new information or new knowledge. I think it happens to us a lot. Many lifelong Christians will swear that Adam and Eve ate an apple, that that's what got us in all this trouble. They've seen the drawings. They've seen the the paintings. That It's always an apple. The Bible doesn't actually say. And it's the story. It's what we think we know that has blinded us to what the reality actually is. Uh, Those who know the Bible well can probably quote for you what the innkeeper says to Mary and Joseph in the story of the Nativity. You know, Mary and Joseph show up in Bethlehem, Mary is pregnant, and they find no room in the inn, and so people can quote what the innkeeper says. No room, except The innkeeper doesn't say anything in the story. In fact, there is no innkeeper in the story. 
it's something that we've added in there. And yet many are persuaded that it's there. We've already made up our minds. Many of us can uh, sing from memory the Christmas carol, We Three Kings of Orient Are. It's a wonderful song. It's got some good meanings, but but what we also know is that we don't know how many wise men they were. They weren't kings, and they weren't from the Orient, or from they weren't Asian. And so it's a neat carol, except they weren't kings, they weren't, they weren't Asians, and we don't know how many they were. But we have our minds made up. I've stood on the Mount of Olives uh, on the place from which we believe Jesus ascended. There's a shrine there that notes the spot from which Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, I'm absolutely certain that Jesus ascended from ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives in Bethany. The Gospel of Luke says so, and so I am I am certain of it. Except that I'm overlooking the fact that in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus ascends back into heaven from a mountain up in Galilee, some 85 miles to the north. My certainty about the spot on the Mount of Olives for decades blinded me to Matthew's message about an ascension in Galilee. When we already know it all, we resist new information. We don't learn. That's what happened in Nazareth when Jesus showed up. Jesus went to his hometown, a place where he had lived almost his whole life, uh, to, to preach. And homecomings are supposed to be special occasions. They should be joyful, exciting. The, the hometown prophet who's made it big comes home to preach. It should have been a celebration, but things don't go well. Jesus preaches his message, and the hometown folks are offended. They're mad. They remember Jesus. They remember watching him grow up. Isn't this Mary's boy? Isn't this the kid that we saw running up and down in the streets when he was a kid? Haven't we sat in synagogue with him and his brothers and sisters and parents? Uh, perhaps Jesus had been in their homes doing carpentry repairs. Uh, perhaps they had attended birthday and wedding feast and bar mitzvahs with him. Uh, this was just one of the boys one of the kids, and now he was coming into town talking like a big shot, talking like he was something special, and it just did not go over well. The people took offense at Jesus because it had changed, it seemed, from that little boy running around the streets. In Luke's account of this same story, the people get so mad that they try to kill him. They try to actually throw him off of a cliff. In Mark's account, uh, it says that uh, that Jesus could do no deeds of power, except he healed a few folks, but his power was limited. Jesus couldn't work in his own hometown because they knew him too well. Jesus was unable to do miracles in his own hometown because they knew him too well. It wasn't ignorance of Christ that got in the way. It was familiarity. Because they knew Jesus so well, they were offended. Because they already thought they knew the message, they got their feelings hurt. What does that say about the church? We've lived with these stories for years, some of us for decades even. We can retell the stories step by step. We can tell the stories 
uh, of creation. We can tell the story of the nativity, Jesus being born in Bethlehem to, uh, to Mary and Joseph. We can tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000, of Jesus walking on the water. We can tell the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. We can go back and, and retell the story of David and Goliath and how the young shepherd boy brought down the big giant. We can retell the story of the flood and how all the animals came onto the ark two by two. Well, wait a minute. It, actually, the animals didn't even all come in two by two. Look it up. Some of them were a little bit different. You see, we've lived with these stories for so long that sometimes we stop hearing them. Because we know the story so well, are we offended if God ever says something new to us? If we see a detail that we missed before, if we find a connection that wasn't there before, if we discover an interpretation of Scripture that we hadn't realized before, that might offend us just like it offended the people in Nazareth. Well, I want to invite you today to do a very hard thing this week. I want to ask that we could all do something this week that will be a challenge. It'll be very hard. Open up this book and read it like you've never read it before. Try to set aside all the preconceived notions. Let's try to pretend that we don't know it all. Let's, let's pretend we've never read the stories before and try a fresh reading. Read through like it's the first time. Now, I admit it's hard to do. It's very hard to, to set aside what we think we already know, but I believe it's worth the effort. We'll discover new things. Remember, I was on a youth retreat, uh, leading a youth retreat down in Panama City years ago. We were getting ready for one of our programs, and uh, a teenage girl in the group picked up the Bible, a Bible she'd never read before, and she just let it fall open. It, it happened to fall open to Matthew, uh, to the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I, I noticed as she read a verse or two, and then she slammed it down and threw it on the coffee table, and she said, ooh, yuck. Well, that caught my attention. I, I had to see what was going on. So I asked her, I said, what, what happened to that? What was, what was yuck? She said, well, I just opened it up, and it said, if your hand offends you, you should cut it off and throw it away from you. That's gross. It was delightful. Uh, when that's the only verse you read, she's not wrong. It does sound a little gross, a little shocking. I believe it was probably intended to be shocking. We, we've lost that shock value when we've read it a hundred times. It was delightful to see that fresh reading in her. And it prompted a fruitful discussion that we could then have after her. Our discussion started because she read it for the first time. So I want to invite all of us to read the Bible like that, to ask questions of it, to hear the difficult parts, to challenge what doesn't make sense, to challenge what might even seem wrong. See, God's not asking us to know it all. God's inviting us into a mystery because we can never know it all. Think about the universe that God created uh, that spans billions of light years. Just imagine the mass of, of stars and galaxies that God spoke into existence with a word. That's who we believe God is. Do we really think we have God figured out? 
Do we really think that we can ever know it all? Can we be certain about this God that is so enormous that God speaks galaxies into existence? I don't think so. I, I have great confidence that God is loving, but I can't begin to pretend that I know everything about God. And we don't have to. God's not asking us to know it all. God is inviting us into this incredible mystery of who God is. Each day can be a new discovery as we discover more and more about how good our God is. God invites us into a mystery. I can open up the scriptures and discover mystery. God invites me to ask questions, to explore, to move deeper. And today, God invites us to the table, a place where mystery happens, where a God who speaks worlds into existence mysteriously shows up in bread and wine. Come and join in this mystery. Let's wonder together at our incredible God. Amen.